I have such a treat for you today. If you are curious about the science of reading, especially as it pertains to upper elementary, this episode is going to be for you. I actually brought on a special guest, but this guest has been on this show before, and she is going to be diving into all things science of reading and giving you some actionable tips and strategies to take back into your classrooms. Sarah Marie has a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. She is now CEO of the Stellar Teacher Company and is a literacy specialist passionate about helping elementary teachers around the world grow their students into lifelong readers. Sarah's mission is to make teachers' lives a little easier by providing them with endless encouragement, effective strategies, and engaging no-fluff resources. Sarah is also the host of the Stellar Teacher Podcast, where she loves to share her favorite literacy tips each week. I'm so excited to have this expert on the show talking about the signs of reading in upper elementary. If you are ready to dive in, we will meet you inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Literacy Dive podcast. Now, like I told you in the intro, this guest is no stranger to the show. She's been on before, and I just love being able to chat with you, Sarah. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. I feel like this is just like a normal day for us talking about I know. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be like a day in the life <laughs> conversation. So the trending hot topic has been science of reading. And I know that it's a really big, big, big push in the lower grades, but I know that also upper elementary, they have to do their part as well. So I really am glad that you're coming on just to kind of dive into science of reading and what upper elementary teachers in particular can be able to do to support their students just to make sure there's an alignment. So before we like dive into any types of specifics, could you just kind of give our listeners an overview, a general overview of what is the science of reading. Absolutely. I feel like that could be a whole like, you know, podcast series in itself. So I'll give I'll give the condensed definition. So the science of reading actually refers to the body of research that explains how we learn to read. It has been around for a long time. So even though it's getting a lot of like attention on social media and in the news and with, you know, districts switching to a science of reading approach, it's not anything that is brand new. And really the science of reading indicates that there are five main pillars of reading. And in order for students to be successful readers, they need to have a foundation that is built in all five areas. And I bet that hearing these isn't going to be a surprise to anybody, phonemic awareness, phonics, vocabulary, fluency, comprehension. I remember learning about things when I was in college. I feel like they just didn't get the label of the science of reading. But oftentimes what happens is when we think about these five main pillars, we think about them in isolation, right? We think about teaching phonemic awareness. We think about teaching phonics. We think about teaching vocabulary, but we don't think about how these pillars interact with each other to form 
and help our students become skilled readers. And so within the science of reading, there are a couple models that help us understand the importance of the interaction of these elements. And one of them is called Scarborough's Reading Rope. And I'll do my best to explain this. It's really great. If you go do a Google search for Scarborough's Reading Rope and you'll see an image and it'll really help you understand this. But envision a rope. And if you think about a rope, a rope is created by two strands that are woven together and they're, you know, constantly woven to create a stronger rope. And this is our reading rope. And one of the strands is word recognition and the other strand is language comprehension. And in order for our students to become skilled readers, they need to have both word recognition and language comprehension, but not in isolation. They need to have them constantly woven together. So starting in kindergarten, students need to have support with word recognition and language comprehension in first grade, second grade, third grade, all the way through their reading experience. They need to constantly have skills from these areas that are woven together to help them become skilled readers. And so if we think about these strands a little bit more in depth, in order for students to have word recognition skills, they need to have phonological awareness. This means they need to have the ability to manipulate sounds. They need to be able to identify rhymes. They need to be able to figure out syllables. They need to have decoding skills. This is spelling sound correspondence, understanding the specific sounds that letter combinations make, and then sight word recognition. So recognizing words, not because that they've memorized them, but because they know the phonological concepts that make up that specific word. So our students need to have a foundation in these word recognition skills, but then in order for students to comprehend a text, they need to have language comprehension skills, background knowledge, vocabulary, language structures. This means multiple meaning words and how sentences are structured. So sentence structure, verbal reasoning, which really connects to like making inferences and being able to make meaning from text, and then literacy knowledge, which addresses genre, text structure, and understanding how texts are formed. And I love this model because I think it really provides a roadmap for how we can teach reading to our students. It's not just, okay, we need to have word recognition and language comprehension, but it really breaks down the elements that are necessary. And so, you know, if one individual strand, if students are lacking word recognition skills, they're going to struggle with reading. If students are lacking language comprehension skills, they're going to struggle with reading. But we can get even more specific. If a student struggles with vocabulary or has a weak vocabulary, they're going to struggle with reading, which means we know we need to address vocabulary. You know, if students struggle with decoding skills, they're going to struggle with reading, but then we can address that. So it really helps highlight all of the necessary skills that students need in order to experience success as a reader. And then it kind of gives us a roadmap for this is what we need to teach our students. So in a nutshell, that is what the science of reading is. It really explains how we learn to read and it highlights the components that are necessary in order for our students to become skilled readers. That is such a great just definition and summary, I think, especially because if they went to online and, and saw this model and then started reading, it might just look like a big jumbled mess, but like you put it in such a simplified way that we can be able to understand. So thank you so much for just sharing that information. And I love that you had mentioned that this is not new. This is just like, you know, it's just coming back to the forefront, really. And I remember when I was sent to dyslexia training and I learned all of these skills. Mm -hmm. And then whenever I started seeing some of the lower grades posting stuff on social media and posting stuff on blog posts, I was like, wait a minute, I've used that before, <laughs> you know? So it's definitely nothing that is new. And I think that some teachers can probably recognize that they're already doing it, but you just have to make sure that like all of the components are being hit 
and being woven together, like you had said. So, yeah. And I think that is one of the things that I think is just great about this model is that when we often in reading, we often teach a concept and then we move on from it, right? Like we view our instruction as a checklist, like, all right, I've taught vocabulary. All right. I've taught phonics. All right. I've taught whatever it is. But really, the rope reminds us that all throughout the school year and regardless of the grades level, we want to constantly be bringing in all of the elements of word recognition and all of the elements of language comprehension to support our students in their reading journey. Yes, I agree with that. So (laughs) with thinking about, honestly, any topic, there's always that word of misconceptions that is applied whenever you're thinking about just certain topics. So what are some of the misconceptions about the science of reading? Yeah, there are definitely some that I feel like are floating out there. I think the biggest one, because I remember when I first started learning about the science of reading and reading about it, it's because I heard that there's this big push for phonics instruction. And so I think it's really important for teachers to understand that while phonics is an important part of the science of reading, the science of reading is not phonics. And I think that it came about because there's a lot of students in lower elementary that are getting to upper elementary grades and they are struggling with reading and they need more support and instruction in phonics. But that is not the only aspect of the science of reading. So you see a lot of like, you know, Instagram posts and things in the news about phonics and the importance of phonics. And yes, phonics is important, but the science of reading is not phonics. I think that's one misconception that is important to understand. But I think also it's important for teachers to understand that the science of reading, it's not a program. It's not a curriculum. It's not one single way of teaching reading. It is, like I said, it's the research that guides our instruction. So it isn't a cookie cutter program. It still really relies heavily on teachers having strong instructional knowledge and knowing how to support their students' needs. And so making sure that you understand the science of reading and how you can apply it to your classroom. And I know a lot of schools are shifting You know, they're saying, okay, we're shifting towards the science of reading. We're getting a new program. But there are multiple programs out there that could align to the science of reading. There are multiple resources out there that align to the science of reading. And I think it's important, the more knowledge that teachers have about the entire body of research and about all of the different sub-skills and elements, the easier it's going to be for them to know, is my instruction already aligned to the science of reading or do I need to make some shifts? And then I think, too, teachers need to realize that there are probably a lot of things that they are doing that already are aligned to the science of reading. So yes, even if your school's making a shift, there are probably some things that you can improve and change. I mean, that's the best part about teaching is we're constantly on a learning journey and there's things that we can do differently, but you probably already have some things in your classroom that are aligned to the science of reading. So just because your school's saying we're shifting to the science of reading or you're learning about it, that doesn't mean that you need to have a complete overhaul. There's probably some things that you are still doing. So just realizing that the science of reading is research that guides our instruction, not a program, not one specific element. It's not a degree. It's not training. It is research. Yes, that's so great. And so with that, because I know that it can be, it can look so many different ways. So the biggest question that I kind of think that teachers come to, or they automatically like panic and they're like, I have to change everything. That is what they think versus like kind of doing like what you said, where you can go through and you can kind of analyze well, first off, what are the components? And then let me take a deep dive and analyze what I'm currently doing and then what can I improve on? But just to answer the question that I know so <laughs> many teachers have, does this mean that teachers need to change the way that they are teaching reading? Maybe. I mean, maybe not. So, and I think this goes back to, you know, I would say not necessarily. Like it goes back to what are you currently doing in your classroom and understanding does that align to the science of reading? 
And I think also too, there's a lot of like language that is associated with the science of reading. I mean, I had to do a ton of research to be like, okay, like orthographic mapping, what is that? You know, like morphology, like I don't know these terms. So understanding what the language that is included in the science of reading, what does that actually mean? Like morphology is the study of word meaning. So things like root words and, you know, prefixes and suffixes, that would be part of your morphology instruction. So you probably, and if you're an upper elementary teacher, you probably hear a lot about, we need to be teaching morphology. Well, if you're teaching roots and prefixes, you are doing that. Could there be a more effective way? Possibly, maybe not. So I think, you know, when you understand what the science of reading is, the easiest way to figure out, do I need to change my instruction or not, is to take a few minutes and really think about, almost do like an inventory of what are you currently teaching in your classroom? How do you currently have your day set up? And go back to that Scarborough's reading rope and really think about, Am I including or do I have time throughout my literacy block that hits on all of these elements? You know, do we have time that builds background knowledge? Do we have time that focuses on vocabulary instruction? Do we have time that is supporting students with, you know, sound spelling relationships and helping them, you know, develop their decoding skills? Am I teaching about the syllable types? And so sort of using the reading rope as a way to determine, am I teaching the elements that are necessary for my students to become a skilled reader? And then you might realize, okay, I don't actually ever address background knowledge in my reading block. I need to start incorporating that. Or it's like, okay, I have never actually taught my students the syllable types in upper elementary because I thought that was a lower elementary thing. So that's something I need to start doing. But it's all about making small steps and small shifts. You know, I think our instruction is most powerful when we don't try to change everything all at once. And so I think really identifying what are you doing that is working well And then where are some opportunities that you can improve or make some shifts to better align your instruction to the science of reading? So yeah, some things might need to change, but some things might not. Yeah. And I think that too, if you are a teacher who really has not been doing some of these things, I think it is important, like she had said, to not try to think that you have to do 10 things at one time, but really get to know like, what is this term? What does this mean? How can I apply it? And then once you kind of have your grasp on that, you can then focus on another element, but definitely just taking the time to see like, what is this? And also not assuming that just because they learned it in primary and lower (laughs) elementary, I don't really have to address it here because you very well might have to. I have a free gift for you. I've put together six creative writing activities along with all the extras, lesson plans, exemplars, writing paper templates, and more. To learn about each routine that's included, tune into episodes 134, 135, and 136. You can grab your freebie at theliteracydive.com slash sampler, or you can just head to the link in the show notes. Enjoy! So with thinking about all of this now, What are some things that upper elementary teachers can do to align their instruction with the science of reading? Absolutely. So there is, and I think it's, and this is maybe something that I should have mentioned in the misconceptions, the science of reading is important in upper elementary. It's not just something that is for lower elementary. We want to make sure if you're a third through fifth grade teacher that you understand it that you're you know, bringing in aspects of it into your instruction. So it is definitely important. I'm actually, ju- we just started it, I think last week on my podcast. It is a series I'm doing this summer called Small Steps to the Science of Reading. So if you want to hear more about small steps you can take to align your instruction, I would invite you to come and listen to these episodes. We've got seven of them that are gonna be released throughout the summer. 
But there are definitely things that upper elementary teachers can do that will help align their instruction to the science of reading. And I think the number one thing that upper elementary teachers should do and need to do is to make sure that they are providing explicit and systematic word recognition instruction to students who are not fluent readers. And this might feel like a really big task, but the reality of it is, is if you have students in third, fourth, or fifth grade that aren't automatically decoding a text, they struggle to physically read the words, then that is your number one priority. It does not matter like how many comprehension strategies we teach them or how many vocabulary lessons we give them. If they cannot decode the words, they are going to struggle to become independent readers. And so that is the number one thing that you need to do is be willing to pause you know, where you're at in terms of your grade level standards and expectations and do the work necessary to help your students, you know, back up. And that might be during your small group instruction, rather than focusing on grade level content that you are going to work through a phonics scope and sequence, and you're going to use decodable text, and you're going to help your students with the sight word recognition, and you're going to, you know, help them develop the phonics skills necessary so that way they can become fluent readers. This might mean that you need to partner with a interventionist if your students have pullout work to make sure that you're collaborating and working through the same phonics scope and sequence. The whole idea of providing explicit and systematic instruction means that you're not just like jumping around and it's like, okay, we're going to focus on short vowels and now we're going to jump ahead and focus on digraphs and now we're going to focus on, you know, syllables. You're teaching students, you know, if you look at any sort of phonics scope and sequence, it progresses from easier skills to more complex skills and you want to build on the knowledge that students have. And so it's really important that you are teaching a phonics progression that your students are going to benefit from. So that is the number one thing that I think upper elementary teachers need to be doing is make sure that they are providing their students with explicit and systematic word recognition skills so that way they can eventually become independent readers. That is so great. You hit it. I mean, being explicit and also just realizing that going from easier to hard, like that's just a natural progression. And so doing a lot of the bouncing around actually might be hindering and hurting your students versus like helping them to understand and be able to grow on that knowledge. So I love that with what you shared. Is there anything else that teachers can be able to do to kind of just make sure that they're like staying aligned? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we could, we, we could talk about this for a long time. <laughs> I think I was going to say another thing that is really important is prioritizing your vocabulary instruction. Vocabulary and comprehension are so closely tied. I read somewhere that in order for students to comprehend a text, they need to have knowledge of 90 to 95% of the words that they read. And especially when we get into upper elementary, like as students read more complex texts, there are bigger words, there are unfamiliar words. And so vocabulary is important. The thing is, though, is that we cannot, we don't have enough time in the day to physically teach every individual word our students encounter. So while it's important to teach individual words in isolation on occasion, depending on you know what text you're reading, what we really want to prioritize are word learning strategies. So our vocabulary instruction really needs to focus on teaching word learning strategies, things like the most common prefixes and suffixes, things like Greek and Latin roots. Things like helping students understand how to use context clues, things like teaching students about multiple meaning words. So that way, students have a toolbox that is filled with all sorts of strategies that they can use when they are reading independently to be able to figure out the meaning of unknown words. And so with our vocabulary instruction, we want to make sure that, like I said, we're not just teaching individual words in isolation, but that we're giving students lots of exposure to these word learning strategies. 
Yes. And I, I'm thinking about now, like whenever my niece is around and we're just having like basic conversations and I say something and she's like, what is that? And I'm like, well, let's think about the word. So it's so important during your reading instruction, but also there's so many ways within just day-to-day conversations with your students where you could use a word and then bring it back to vocabulary with thinking about the root or thinking about the prefix or thinking about the suffix or the Greek or Latin, you know, whatever part of that word you can be able to pull from. And then that's just going to help them when it does come into time for reading as well. So you can find so many opportunities to prioritize vocabulary. That's just something that you have to kind of be mindful of. Sometimes within text, you have to plan for, but also just thinking about if a student asks, what does that mean? Well, is there an opportunity within the word that you said to teach them about vocabulary? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but that's just another way that you can be able to get that in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like those opportunities are like what we want teachers to be more aware of, right? Like we know that we should be teaching vocabulary during reading because it's like one of our standards, but like, what about during math and during science or social studies? Like those other content areas are great opportunities to discuss these word learning strategies. Like let's break apart a word into like its root and its affixes. You know, even if we're in science class, we can still bring in like a graphic organizer related to vocabulary and help students understand those words. So yeah, really paying attention to those word learning strategies, I think are really important. Similarly, another thing that is really important, and this one I think might be surprising for teachers from a reading standpoint, but focusing on sentence structure in both reading and writing. And I know when I was in the classroom, I taught sentences from like a writing perspective. Like we talked about like the, you know, the types of sentences. So questions, exclamations, commands, statements. We talked about, you know, the different sentence structures. So simple, compound, complex. I remember in fourth grade with the revising and editing test, like teaching students how to create a compound sentence with like the comma conjunction in the middle of it. I feel like we drilled that into their heads. So we talk a lot about sentences from a writing perspective, but sentence structure and understanding sentence structure is extremely important from a reading perspective. And we rarely like incorporate sentence instruction from, you know, the reading block. And the reason why it's so important is, you know, especially when students get to third grade, their texts become much more complex. They're no longer reading simple sentences that have like just the subject and the verb and are very basic. They're starting to read much more complex texts with complex sentences. So now they have, you know, sentences with dependent clauses and independent clauses and s- sentences with compound predicates and compound subjects and, you know, two sentences joined together in a compound sentence. And if students don't have a strong understanding of sentence structure, it's going to be really hard for them to comprehend what is happening in the sentences. And I think it's important for teachers to realize that comprehension begins at the sentence level. And we want to make sure that students understand the way sentences are written so that they can get to the heart of the meaning. And a really easy thing that teachers can do to focus on this is during your, like during a read aloud or even during a small group lesson, Pick a sentence in your text, you know, find one that's a complex sentence or, you know, a compound sentence, something that's a little bit longer and start to deconstruct it. That means you're going to break it apart and you want to start to remove extra words that don't get to the heart of the sentence. You know, it's like there's adjectives that tell us, you know, the, that describe the object or describe the person. There might be adverbs that are giving us detail about the action in it. There might be a prepositional phrase or, you know, a dependent clause, but start to see like what words or phrases can we remove that still maintain the heart and the core of a sentence? Because that's going to help students understand that it's like, okay, I need to understand what is happening at this sentence. Sometimes an author is going to include extra details 
that can help me visualize and, you know, provide a much more in-depth reading experience. But I need to be able to weave through all of those extra details to figure out what exactly is happening in the sentence. So focusing on sentence structure during your reading time is extremely important for students' comprehension. I love the deconstruction because I first I think it like we're having them like understand what the parts of speech are. <laughs> and then once we do that, yes, you can definitely remove a lots of details because, you know, what the author's doing is just providing a vivid image for you. But, you know, thinking about the actual sentence, like we can understand, like, what is this? And then all of the parts that are going to describe, like you said, the object and stuff like that. So loving that you could be able to do this with what you're already doing, which is your read aloud. And it will not take a long time to to take one sentence and really focus on that. I love that action piece. And I think even like starting small, like looking at a sentence and figuring out, okay, can we remove one or two words and still maintain the meaning of it? You know, you don't have to break everything down to the very like simple sentence, but helping students realize that, okay, when we see complex sentences, we want to pause and take a minute and really think, do I understand what's happening here? And one way to do that is to eliminate the extra details to get at the core of what the sentence is saying. So yeah, that's like, and that's like one of those things where I'm like, why didn't I do that when I was in the classroom? Like that is such an easy thing to do. And it also helps students with that sort of like, just the fluency of both reading and writing. Like if you do this during your reading, it's going to help your students with writing more complex sentences. If you focus on, you know, sentence structure during your writing, it's going to help students be able to deconstruct and understand the sentences. So it just like, it helps with all things literacy. It definitely does. And I think that so much too, you know, we look at things in isolation again, but it really feeds on each other. And one thing that you're doing in reading that's really strong is going to transfer in writing and then vice versa. That's why it's just really important that you can be able to weave them. Yeah. So the last thing, and this is, like I said, these are four things that upper elementary teachers can do. They're not the only four things, but these are good starting points. But the last thing that upper elementary teachers can think about that I think we sometimes forget is we want to make sure that we are balancing building content knowledge with strategy instruction. And I think especially in upper elementary we can focus really, really heavily on comprehension. And we're teaching all of these comprehension strategies and most of our standards are connected to comprehension. And we focus so much on making sure students understand, do can, you know do they have strategies to summarize and do they have frameworks to make inferences and do they understand how to ask questions? And we focus a lot on comprehension strategies. Well, the whole reason why we want our students to have comprehension strategies is because we want them to understand the content that they are reading. And I think within reading, there's a good opportunity to focus on not just teaching comprehension strategies, but to also be really intentional about the content that we are using to teach our literacy lessons. And so really thinking about, okay, so for example, if you're getting ready to teach a nonfiction unit and you are covering text structure, right? That's an important concept that we want our students to understand. It's necessary. It's, you know, Text structure is part of that literacy knowledge. That's part of the reading rope. So text structure is definitely something that's part of, you know, aligning your instruction to the science of reading. But rather than teaching, you know, text structure with a topic on transportation, and then maybe the next day you're reading a different text and it's on, you know, habitats. And the next day you're reading another text and it's on, you know, biographies or whatever it is. You know, you're focusing on text structure, but also think about the content of your text. So maybe during your text structure unit, you are also at the same time studying, you know, ecosystems and all of the texts that you are reading are all about ecosystems. And so, you know, you're going to find a text that is, you know, comparing and contrasting two different ecosystems. You're going to find a text that is walking you through the sequence of, you know, the the food chain and the food web and it's going in order. You're finding another text that is describing one specific ecosystem. 
And so you're building your students' content knowledge while simultaneously teaching them an important literacy concept like text structure. And this requires a little bit more work and a little bit more creativity on the teacher's part because you kind of have to hunt for these articles and these texts to figure it out. But you're creating a much more meaningful learning experience because now all of a sudden students aren't just randomly reading a bunch of texts to learn about, you know, these comprehension skills. You're actually putting, you know, some really important content into your reading lessons. And so you want to balance your literacy instruction with teaching content, but also teaching comprehension. And I think that is a big part of what the science of reading looks like in upper elementary is making sure that we're giving real life, meaningful purpose to our reading instruction and not just teaching a variety of comprehension strategies. Because at the end of the day, like, yes, our standards are filled with comprehension strategies that we want our students to know, but we also want them to understand the text that they're reading. And so I think if we can give them real life opportunities to apply those, it's going to become a much more meaningful and purposeful form of instruction. Yes. And I want to like leave listeners with something too. I'm thinking about one district in particular where we were giving, you know, a pacing guide for all the four quarters. And it's like, this is what you focus on. This is the genre. This is like the skill and whatnot. And I know that for quite some time, it was like, okay, I'm teaching this. And then I put it away and then I move on to the next thing. But with thinking about the science of reading and what this could look like in upper elementary, you know, you have to really kind of think about, well, yes, maybe my pacing guide says this, but I know that vocabulary is important. I know that sentence structure is important. I know that background knowledge is important. So therefore, even if I don't see it on quarter two or quarter three, I'm going to keep on doing it because I know that that's best practice for my students and it's going to help them ultimately with reading and writing. So love that. I love that. And I think that is such a good reminder. And I think like that is one of the things I remember when I first started researching about the science of reading, it honestly made me a little nervous and uncomfortable because I'm like, oh my gosh, is this like a different way of teaching reading? Like, have I been doing it wrong? But I think the more that teachers dig into the research and understand like how do we help our students become skilled readers, it empowers teachers to teach reading in a way that is more effective regardless of what boxed curriculum they're given, regardless of what their pacing guide says. So yeah, all of these things that we know are effective, even if they're not written on your lesson plan or part of your district's pacing guide, you can still incorporate them into your classroom. Exactly. And I think that's just going to make you a stronger teacher, you know, and hopefully somebody in your school will be able to learn from you, you know, so it always just starts with like doing what you know is best practice. And once you know better, then you really can do better. And there is no shame and no fault if you have not been doing these things, but Definitely try to choose one area. And I love the four that she shared, which was like providing explicit and systematic word recognition instruction. So that could be one place where you could start prioritizing vocabulary instruction. I think that one's really important because that's going to be the way that they can understand the words that they're reading within sentences. But then also focusing on that sentence structure within reading and writing and just understanding that they're going to support each other. And then balancing that building content knowledge with the strategy instruction is so good. So thank you for those four points. Now, like I said, she is just phenomenal in all things reading and just literacy in general. And I'm like I said, too, which if you've been listening for a while, you know that we actually have a history of teaching together. We lived in the same place, taught together, lived down the street from each other. We're like a decade into this literacy <laughs> journey together. I feel like I, I think we're like we've almost been friends for a decade, which is wild. I know. Yeah, it's it's so wild. And then like, I mean, even down to moving, you know, we're doing yeah. all the things. So <laughs> at any rate, you know, she is definitely a wealth of knowledge. And so, Sarah, if listeners are like, OK. 
I really need to learn more and I want to learn more. Where can listeners be able to find you so that they can be able to just continue the practice of their learning? Well, thank you for all of those kind words. I appreciate that, especially coming from you because I feel like you are like the queen of literacy. But I have my podcast, the Seller Teacher Podcast. Every week we air new episodes. And so again, if teachers want to, if they're looking for another podcast to add to their list, definitely come give us a listen. But especially this summer, because we are doing an entire podcast series that is all about small steps that you can take to align your instruction to the science of reading. And so you can find those episodes on the Stellar Teacher Podcast, my website, stellarteacher.com. It has all of the links to you know blog posts, podcasts, TPT store, membership site, anything there. But then I love connecting with teachers and you can find me on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. Send me a message. I like seriously, when teachers ask me questions in my DMs, I love getting in there and being like, all right, let's troubleshoot this together. Let's you know figure out what we can do to best support you. So if you've got questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. But yeah, that's kind of where people can find me, stellarteacher.com. And all of that will be linked in the show notes. So if you are frantically trying to write it all down, (laughs) no worries. You can just click through. It'll all be linked for you. I am just like, I'm excited about this. And I love the timing of this episode coming out because it's right in time for teachers going into their summer breaks. And you can be able to do some, some learning in a really, really exciting way with Sarah. So thank you again so much for being on. Thank you. This was great. I mean, like I said, this feels like normal because we just talk about, we talk about literacy and life most of the time, all day, every day. Yes, we do. (laughs) And this will definitely not be the last time. So thank you again for listening and we will see you or actually you'll hear me next time. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.